Chapter Fourteen of David Ransom's Watch by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fourteen. Miss Hannah's Champion. Miss Hannah Stearns sat beside her open window, looking out upon the glowing beauty of field and hill. The trees near and far were dressed in the brilliant robes of crimson and gold, which they wore in that climate toward the closing of the year, but the air was that of a belated summer day, and Miss Hannah had stretched every casement wide, a dreary realization upon her the while of swift coming days, when, for long months, doors and windows must be closed against cold and wind and sleet. The older Miss Hannah grew, the less she liked those rugged winters in which she had been reared, but it was chiefly on account of dreariness. That word was one which she rarely used, but it was often in her thoughts. Voices from under her open window floated up to her. Harlan's voice and that of his special friend, Bert Crozier, who, on general principles, Miss Hannah felt that she did not like. He was speaking very plainly, and, before the woman at the window realized it, she was listening to the talk. "'Why aren't you going? Why don't you ever go to circuses and shows and things like the rest of the boys?' Harlan's laugh was easy, and his words prompt. "'For good and sufficient reasons, old fellow, I can tell you.' "'Well, but—' what are some of the reasons? You aren't a baby, Harlan. Why should you be tied up at home evenings and all the rest of the time? You don't ever go anywhere, do you, except to church three times on Sundays? Occasionally I go to school, as you may have noticed, said Harlan dryly. Oh, school, of course. She couldn't be so mean as to keep you from that. But honestly, Harlan, don't you think it is hard on you? you never go skating or coasting with us fellows, and you don't even belong to our club, though every fellow of us thinks you are the one to lead us. I've made up my mind to speak out for once, and tell you we think it is awfully mean in her to keep you so close. Miss Hannah had heard a few times in her experience the tone that Harlan used next. I'd thank you, Bert Crozier, not to make quite so free use of that word mean when you are talking about my Aunt Hannah. I find that hard on me, at least. Well, of course, I don't mean anything disagreeable, but— Say, that reminds me of something else that I want to know about. Hal Collins says she isn't your aunt any more than she is his. That you aren't a speck of relation to her and have a right to do as you please for all her. Is there any truth in that? About as much as Hal Collins usually puts into his talk, he knows that his mother is the real aunt, and I suppose he knows, too, that when I was left an orphan with no one to look after me, it happened to be the woman who isn't a speck of a relation who came to the rescue. If she hasn't earned the name of aunt and the right to all the ideas that go with it, I should like to know who has. You can tell Hal Collins, if you like it, that it happens to please me to do as my Aunt Hannah wishes, and that she is worth all the real aunts that are among his list of acquaintances, and that a fellow who is worth his salt respects her if he hasn't sense enough to do anything else. The listener at the window, who had felt the indignant red creep into her cheeks, 
now felt her eyes suddenly dim what a grand boy that was bert crozier seemed to echo her thought you're a first-rate good fellow harlan i'll say that for you and i'm with you too so far as gratitude and all that kind of thing goes i know something about it myself my respected uncle who isn't my uncle at all has done all he could for me and keeps doing it and i try to live up to his ideas pretty well but i don't think i would like to have him interfere with me in the way you are interfered with don't you think now upon honor that you give in to her notions a great deal more than is necessary or sensible i don't mean to be disagreeable but i've made up my mind to make a clean breast of it for once i haven't been here long and perhaps i ought to hold my tongue but you and i are good friends and i'm bound to tell you that the boys think you are a muff for standing it there it's out i expected you would look black at me but i can't help it why old fellow you are just a prisoner that's what you are take last night as an instance what was there to hinder your coming out to will potter's spread in his father's new barn all the fellows were there and most of them wanted you and when hal collins mimicked your voice and manner and everything and said i'm sorry i can't be there boys but my aunt needs me at home this evening they just roared and i wanted to knock half a dozen of them down i admire your sense of gratitude and all that harlan and i think about important things you are in the right but i'm going to say plain out that i don't believe a fellow is called upon to make a fool of himself all the while to please an old woman who doesn't know anything about boys or men either for that matter and if you keep on doing it you can't blame the fellows for running you they think you are a baby tied to your aunt's apron strings and a slave under petticoat rule and they'll say so and i don't think you can keep your standing here in the school and go on with it the old woman at the upper casement fairly held her breath for the reply and heard it every word oh you don't well see here bert crozier let's you and me understand each other i like you first-rate as i guess i've told you before and you may talk just as plainly to me as you please but when it comes to talking about my aunt hannah let me tell you this she may not know very much about boys and you and i are acquainted with some that she could live and be happy without ever knowing but she knows one boy harlan kingsbury by name and if he knows something himself and he thinks he does he is not going back on her the least bit in the world even if he never slides down a hill or joins a club or goes to a spread in a barn or loses any other chances of equal importance and all the boys who want to call him names for taking such a stand may do so just as long as they enjoy it if i can't keep my standing in this school and keep my self-respect at the same time my standing may go to the dogs and if you want to be my friend and find any mean scamps who occupy their time in making fun of my aunt if you will get me the chance to punch their heads for them i shall like it as well as anything you can do the woman at the upper casement sneezed violently and let down the sash with a thud then she searched for her handkerchief which was needed for her eyes as well as nose what had she been doing 
actually listening to a conversation not intended for her ears the stern's conscience and the stern's habit rose up to shame her yet despite it all she was glad her splendid boy had not his championship of her just then and there repaid her for all that she had ever done yet he had wanted to attend that party in the barn about which he now spoke so contemptuously and had been indignant with her for withholding consent boys were strange creatures and mean creatures some of them so that was the way they talked about him he was a muff was he whatever that meant and a slave under petticoat rule tied to his aunt's apron strings fine gentlemanly fellows they were worth knowing no doubt there was more strength of character in her boy's little finger than there was in all the rest of them put together miss hannah sat long at the window even after it was closed she had reached another problem in her intricate life and had all unwittingly that morning been getting light as to its solution up to a few months previous she had held undisputed sway in her home her slightest word being accepted as law by all her subjects the boy harlan who at four had been a rebel and had voluntarily surrendered before tears and distress at fourteen was to all appearance her loyal and willing slave ten years of actual experience had taught miss hannah some lessons and surprised her not a little as to theories harlan the boy of strong will and generous impulses had so far been ruled by her not as she had planned but rather as he decreed by love apparently he had never forgotten those tears which had given him his first glimpse of miss hannah's heart he had taken possession then and there and never for a moment thereafter had he seemed to hesitate as to his place in her home i will never be naughty if it makes you cry and feel bad might be said to have been the motto of his childhood if there was a very real sense in which miss hannah could be said to have brought the boy up there was also a sense in which he had done the same for her though beginning later in life than most she had been nourished on caresses harlan never free with kisses or loving words for others had lavished both on her she had been trained to expect eager kisses and caresses each morning and evening and as often during the long full days as she looked tired or worried or when there had been a difference of any sort between them a dozen times in a single day the boy disturbed and bewildered her but his remedy was always frank repentance accompanied by loving words and ways how miss hannah's hungry soul was fed by these and what that boy became to her it is doubtful if even he ever fully understood it is one of the sacrifices of maternal love that it is never perhaps fully appreciated by those on whom it is lavished but harlan kingsbury as he grew older learned and understood a good deal he knew for instance that those bound to him by the ties of kindred had not only held aloof from him in his orphaned helplessness but had resented miss hannah's way of filling their places 
he knew that they had advised her from time to time of the importance of beginning early to train a boy who had his own way to make in the world and that when he was ready for high school they had plainly intimated that it would seem wiser to them to have him set about earning his living in some way his father had wasted a great deal of time at school which might better have been spent in practical ways hovering about the halls wishing that mrs henry and mrs george collins would go that he might himself interview his aunt hannah harlan had overheard some things which had both enlightened and amused him i hear that he has done fairly well in the public school mrs henry was saying which is of course a great gratification to us doesn't it seem miss hannah as though he probably had all the education he will need to fit him for his sphere in life harlan's face had grown red and his eyes fierce then his muscles relaxed and he chuckled miss hannah was speaking the trouble is i haven't found out yet just what his sphere in life is to be boys of fourteen are not always sure of themselves though i will give harlan credit for knowing pretty well what he wants to do next just then harlan bethought himself and whistled and ran away she's a match for them he said and laughed again but the talk went on doesn't he incline to any trade it seems to me it is quite time mr collins always says it is so much better for a boy who has to look out for himself to learn a trade of some kind he thinks it is foolish for such boys to try to be merchants or bankers or anything of that sort because boys with prospects of capital stand ready for all such openings i am sure you have been wonderfully good to harlan and if he is growing into a self-respecting boy of course he won't want to depend on charity a day longer than he can help mr collins says there is an excellent chance in the village just now for the right kind of a boy mr adams the harness-maker is looking for help he is an excellent man and one who would do the fair thing by a boy mr collins says he doesn't know of a man with whom he would rather place a boy than with mr adams but i presume you know him he has a large harness shop on main street and always keeps two or three young fellows who are learning the trade nice boys he looks out for always mr collins thought that perhaps you might not know of the opening just at this time of course we feel a peculiar interest in harlan and cannot help looking out for him a little and then too we really feel almost painfully our obligation to you it was a long speech for mrs collins to make she had not intended it to be so long but had paused several times for miss hannah to reply that lady however had looked steadily at her out of keen gray eyes and waited for her to continue she waited again until the situation was becoming embarrassing mrs collins could think of nothing more that it would sound well to say at last miss stearns spoke oh yes i know mr adams quite well he is a worthy man if you are thinking of having your boy learn the harness trade i shouldn't suppose you could do better than with him as for harlan he may or may not become a harness maker when the time comes for him to choose if he considers that the work for which he is best fitted 
i shall be the last one to hinder him i believe in honest labor of all kinds but just at present harlan is planning for high school and though i haven't heard much about it yet i dare say that after high school he will plan for college as his father did before him that covers a number of years you see and i don't suppose mr adams will care to wait for him though of course i'm obliged to mr collins for his interest but about the obligations to me of which you speak you have forgotten the compact you remember that before i assumed any obligation whatever connected with harlan kingsbury i went to those who would be supposed to have the first right and talked this whole matter over very plainly i got the word of you two women and of mrs mitchell as well that you gave up for all time all claim or responsibility or interest in the boy other than the claims which humanity enforces with regard to any boy so you see you have nothing whatever to worry about and need not feel anything so far as i am concerned at the same time if you know of any one who has a right to be especially interested in this boy i don't mind telling you that his name for all practical purposes is harlan kingsbury stearns and his prospects are inextricably mixed with those of hannah stearns herself and you may say so from me if you want to she's adopted him exclaimed the sisters as soon as they were out of miss hannah's hearing and she will leave him all her money a boy who is no sort of kin to her or hers and here she is surrounded by as fine young fellows as ever lived whom she has known all her life isn't it a shame i declare i believe there was truth in that old story about her having lost her heart to the father when he was young what else could make her so foolish over harlan kingsbury's son End of chapter 14